Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll hear about how a transition of ownership is affecting local business and how small businesses are being impacted by rising inflation. Siggy Reese. And joining me is my co-host, Teddy Mayorka. Teddy, how have you been this week? Siggy, I've been good. It has been uh, a difficulty to escape this Missouri heat this week. But how have you been doing? Honestly, I've been kind of feeling the same way. I'm very grateful that this sound booth has AC. Yeah, you can say that again. You ready to jump into this week's headlines? Sure. I'll start us off. In over a dozen states, health insurers are expected to increase rates by an average of 10%. The rate hikes follow a period during the pandemic years where rates remained nearly the same. The increase is driven by people finally returning to doctor's offices after putting off or being unable to access procedures and appointments during the pandemic. Many insurers are also anticipating a drop-off in the number of people enrolling in their plans. The federal government devoted significant amounts of money in the American Rescue Plan Act to try and keep health premiums low. It's uncertain whether Congress will choose to extend that assistance at the end of the year, but without it, about 3 million Americans could drop their coverage. An initiative to legalize marijuana in Missouri may not appear on the ballot this year, as it's looking doubtful that it will have enough signatures. The counting of the signatures is incomplete, but as things stand, the initiative has only received the required number of signatures in two congressional districts. In order to appear on the ballot, A constitutional amendment proposal needs to obtain signatures from registered voters equal to 8% of the 2020 gubernatorial vote. That number must be met in six of Missouri's eight congressional districts. The consensus is that the initiative from the organization Legal Missouri could reach the signature benchmark in two more districts, but that would still leave them with only four of the necessary six. Signature gathering was hampered over the last few years by the COVID-19 pandemic, and officials for another ballot initiative said they also encountered a high number of unregistered voters in their efforts. If the proposal passes, it would put it up to voters whether to allow current medical dispensaries to also serve non-medical customers and expand the number of marijuana licenses available. Over 200,000 households in Missouri have signed up for a federal program aimed at reducing the cost of Internet bills. The Affordable Connectivity Program was authorized by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill passed earlier this year and will reduce Internet costs by up to $30 per month for families below or at 200 percent of the federal poverty level. More than 1,300 Internet providers have joined the program, and some have said they won't charge more than $30 for people that qualify. According to the 2020 U.S. Census, 83.2 percent of households in Missouri had a broadband Internet subscription with a significant disparity between urban and rural areas. Broadband access has been linked to better job and educational opportunities, increased access to reliable health information and news, and the ability to obtain government services. For our first story, Siggy, you talked to a married couple who just recently sold their restaurant. That's right. Trish and Jim Ketting sold Haas's Market, their Columbia restaurant and catering company, to new owners. The Kettings founded the restaurant and ran it for 20 years. Wow, that's quite the run. And what made them decide to sell? Well, Jim Ketting, well known by his nickname Haas, has Parkinson's disease, and his symptoms have worsened. 
His wife, Trish, reflected on her bittersweet emotions regarding the sale. Here's that story. In June, the owners of Columbia restaurant Haas's Market announced they were selling their business after 20 years at the helm. Wife and husband Trish Ketting and Jim Ketting, who goes by the nickname Haas, established themselves as a significant part of the Columbia community, serving meals with locally sourced ingredients and catering for various events across town. But Haas's declining health led the Kettings to the life-changing decision, Trish says. Well, my husband Haas has Parkinson's and uh, he was diagnosed eight years ago. And as the years have gone by, um, his condition has gotten worse. And so as uh, the years have gone on, you have to make choices for, for his health and for my own health that um, we need to think about doing something else because we can't keep up uh, the pace of, of this business with this health condition. So that's what was the impetus behind it. Trish felt a mix of emotions regarding the transition. I'm sad because an era is coming to an end. Um, we're grateful to all of our customers who have supported us over all these years. And we, are, we feel relieved because now we can really focus on Haas's health. So it just is very, very bittersweet. The Kettings founded Haas's Market in 2002 as a place for Columbia residents to get fresh gourmet food. The couple aimed to create a welcoming and friendly atmosphere. The goal in the beginning was just to have a great family, local establishment where people came in and felt comfortable. Uh, you know, back then it was kind of like we wanted to be the cheers of the restaurant scene, you know, and, uh, and introduce Columbia to a market that had not been um, available in Columbia prior to them. Trish says that she feels that she accomplished this goal and has learned the importance of cultivating a culture of kindness for her employees. Treat people kind and in turn they treat you kind as well. And so, um, you know, that's what we always try to do here. And, um, and it seems to have worked because we have really felt love from the community since we came out with this information and, and, and announced the sale. She cites Haas's Market's active role in the community as the thing about the business that makes her most proud. The Cuttings have served on the board for Roots and Blues Festival, a local food and music festival, as well as the board for the local Relay for Life. The business has catered for Big Brothers Big Sisters events for years, and the Cuttings have served on the board for the Columbia Chamber of Commerce in the past. Matt McCormick, president of the chamber, says the couples' contributions have made a significant impact on the community. They've always uh, done things like uh, sponsor our board meetings, sponsor different programs we have. Uh, the restaurant is always there whenever we need them. They've used the restaurant to support so many organizations throughout the community, the community as a whole, uh, employing young people uh, as they need jobs and such. And so you've seen the restaurant really work in our community and the chamber uh, in just all kinds of different ways to help support Columbia. When they made the decision to sell their business, the Kettings wanted to find buyers who could continue their legacy. You wanted to have someone take over who has the same values as we do about the community and understands the Haas's Market brand. They approached Ben Hamra and Amanda Elliott, co-owners of Columbia Restaurant Beatbox and catering service Peachtree Catering. Camera, who grew up in the restaurant business, says the sale just made sense to him and Elliot. Haas's has done a uh, sizable catering business for a very long time, and so having the opportunity to uh, really diversify what we do as caterers in town was a big opportunity.
Hammer and Elliott took ownership of the business on July 1st. One of the most significant changes Hammer and Elliott have made is to the name of the restaurant. Haas's market is now called Belly Market, a name that stemmed from a joke about combining parts of the new owners' names, Ben and Elliot. In terms of other changes, Hammer says that he wants to first see what the community likes about Belly Market and go from there. We intend to continue to uh, pay homage and uh, kind of live in their tradition. For the Kettings, that tradition is rooted in community and relationships. We have just established lasting friendships with people who have worked here. And, and continue to, to have friendships with, with staff going way back to when we first opened. For our next story, we'll take a look at how rising prices and interest rates are impacting small business owners. Interesting. And for those at home, what's the relationship between inflation and interest rates? Well, inflation reached a four-decade high last month at 9.1 percent, which was higher than most experts projected. The Federal Reserve Bank raises interest rates in an attempt to combat inflation and has been periodically increasing them recently. And how has that been affecting small businesses? So small businesses in particular tend to have less resources and funding to work with than large companies. As prices of goods continue to go up, more small businesses are taking out loans. That makes sense. And the Fed has a meeting next week to discuss whether they'll raise interest rates even more, which I'm sure will affect small businesses. Yeah, that's right. So experts say the officials are likely to raise rates even higher, which will impact small business owners seeking new loans or owners with variable loans. Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi interviewed Bonnie Wilson, an economist at St. Louis University, and Shauna Collier, the chief partnership officer at Justine Peterson, an asset development organization and micro lender in St. Louis about this. Here's part of their conversation. Bonnie and Shauna, thank you so much for being here. I think it would be good to start with the basics. Um, Bonnie, help us understand the role of the Federal Reserve Bank and specifically its dual mandate. So we often say that it's the job of the Fed to help the economy get to and sit at its sweet spot. And that sweet spot, the fact that there is a sweet spot, suggests there might be a trade-off or a tension they have to deal with. That sweet spot is full employment and also moderate inflation. And the Fed tries to target about 2% inflation. And the trade-off is that oftentimes when the economy gets moving too quickly and we have lots of economic growth and we get even beyond full employment, the unemployment rate is very low and the economy is growing very robustly. On the one hand, this is good news. On the other hand, it often means an uptick in inflation. And so in that situation, it's the Fed's job to put the brakes on and engage in some contractionary policy and they do that by raising interest rates to get inflation back under control. And ideally, they can do that without slowing down GDP growth so much that we have a recession. So if you are a small business with a variable interest rate loan, which is the case for many small businesses, uh, those interest rates are going to be going up. Yeah, thank you for that great background. Shauna, I'm curious if you could maybe get a little bit more into how these rising interest rates are affecting small business owners and entrepreneurs, specifically the ones that you're working with in St. Louis. 
Yes. If you have a lower interest rate, then you're able to pay your loan. You're still able to pay your staff. You're still able to get all of your goods and services. And being a small business owner, you don't have all the same tools as a big corporation has. So you can't do a lot of adjustments as they as they can. The normal um, cost that a business owner, a small business owner incurs, a loan can actually become a domino effect and have a business out of business in less than three years. And one other thing is very important. You're going to borrow no matter what. The key is work on your credit so that you can get the lowest interest rate. If, if I'm an uncertain business owner and I want to prepare, um, I'm curious to get both of your thoughts on where you should go, what resources you should use, what you should follow to understand this a little bit more and to brace yourself almost for what's to come. Shauna, maybe if you want to start. Um, yes. One thing, in the, well, business owners need to really have a rapport with um, their lenders. Uh because we try to get as much information out as possible. We have an update that we uh, share weekly. And we too try to look and maintain what's going on because not only are we a lender, but we're also a small business as well. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that you think is important to this conversation that you'd like to end on and add? Bonnie, why don't you lead us off? So I think small businesses should really have in mind interest rates are only going up. They are not going to come down at any point in the future. So that's something to have on their radar screen. Inflation may well stay elevated uh, for much of 2022. Certainly expect it to be coming down after that. The Fed is really committed to getting inflation under control, perhaps even at the risk of a recession. And more and more people think that's likely, that we will have to endure a recession to get inflation under control. Well, thank you, Bonnie and Shauna, for taking the time today. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Skylar. Thank you, Shauna. For our first word of the week, I'll hand things over to you, Teddy. What have you chosen? This week, I'm going with SNAP. Okay, got it. So for those who don't know, what specifically are you referring to? Well, I'm talking about the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which offers food assistance to people at or below the poverty line. It's also known as food stamps. Got it. So why have you brought up SNAP this week? Earlier this week, a Missouri judge ruled against a request from the state to dismiss a federal lawsuit that alleges the Missouri Department of Social Services, or DSS, has violated federal SNAP law. So what has DSS done to land themselves in hot water? The two plaintiffs listed in the lawsuit claim that DSS made it difficult for them to access their SNAP benefits in a timely manner. The main issue is with an automated calling system that is meant to connect applicants directly to an interviewer. Applicants say the system places them in queues of hundreds of people, provides no clarity on when a call should be expected, or doesn't call them back at all. Between one-third and a half of all applications are rejected, and the lawsuit alleges that over half of those are due to an inability to complete an interview. Wow, okay, so what has DSS and the state had to say about all of this? The state tried to get the case dismissed by pointing to the fact that ultimately both plaintiffs were able to receive their benefits. 
The plaintiffs say that they, along with the nearly 650,000 other Missourians using the benefits, will have to undergo interviews again in 12 to 24 months for recertification. The judge ended up agreeing with the plaintiffs and criticized the wait times as being unacceptably long, despite attempts by DSS to improve the situation. Your turn, Siggy. What word do you have for us this time? Okay, so I actually want to change gears completely. My word of the week is gentle minions. Gentle minions. Okay, just to uh, get some clarity here, you do mean the little yellow guys in overalls, right? Oh, absolutely. So large groups of young people have been dressing up in suits and business attire to see minions the rise of Gru in theaters. It's a trend that has been fueled largely by TikTok and Twitter. Um, I actually went to see the movie a few weeks ago, but I didn't get dressed up. Gotcha. Okay, I remember seeing this trend on TikTok, but you gotta explain to me, why are we talking about this on a business podcast? Well, it's been a bit of a double-edged sword for movie theaters. The trend is driving up sales, as in the movie broke box office records over 4th of July weekend. But some of the people participating in the trend have been causing a ruckus and a mess. Some theaters have had to issue refunds to customers disturbed by the viewers. Several theaters have banned the viewers in hopes of avoiding disturbances and destruction. Wow. Seems like the uh, gentle minions have not been so gentle. And has this been happening here in Missouri? Oh, yeah. Some theaters in Springfield say they've seen folks wearing suits and a few people dressed in overalls. But they haven't had any issues with destruction like some other theaters have. Before we wrap things up, we will turn it back over to Bonnie Wilson, who explained why it is crucial to maintain relationships within your local community. Local relationships are the ones that are close. They are the ones that really build our communities. You know, in a, in a truly free and market-oriented society, that's one in which everyone has the opportunity to put their ideas to the market test, including the smallest of small businesses. The, this is what builds our communities and keeps them whole and binds us together. So, uh, you know, that's partly a plug to Justine Peterson. There's not enough organizations doing that kind of work. And I encourage small uh, business owners um, to think about the ways in which they can get that message more and more out to the community. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. From my co-host, Teddy Mallorca, editors Ian Laird, James Marshall, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy. I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.